Hello, welcome to the Dear Writer podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Ashley. We're two aspiring collaborative authors sharing our writing journey with you. The ups, the downs, and everything in between. Whether you're just starting out or a more experienced writer, we hope that you'll find this podcast inspiring and thought-provoking. And here's the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Dear Writer. Today, we are recording episode 88, and it is all about transforming the first draft so if you've kind of gotten to that point where you might be a new writer and you finish your first draft you're like now what this is an episode for you yes and Sarah and I have both been um, dabbling in the post first draft editing so I think we're both fairly I guess up to date with how we usually approach things so that should be quite good yeah so before we do that we should have a quick writing update talk about what we're doing at the moment as Ashley alluded to it's a bit of the editing (laughs) yes um so for me out of frustration and anger just abandoned my ancient Greece chapter I tried one more time got swamped and trying to research the like memory that I wanted to include um and was very very frustrated so I might just send it to you Sarah and there's going to be a yellow patch that says insert memory here, which it might be good just to leave it blank because we can potentially, you know, go back uh, later and put something useful in. And then at the end, it will say end this better. <laughs> so just as, yeah, it's already 3000 words. It's long enough. It's just challenging. Let's go with challenging. Well, it's more than what I've done. Um, <laughs> so I haven't even started the next chapter of the ancient Greece book. I've just been like, mm. anyway, sorry, I'll let you continue with. No, it's all good. Instead, I have been doing my, I'm going to say editing of um, Darkness Set Us Free, which is the third book in our series. And I mentioned last time that I got really frustrated with that as well, because some of the chapters were not as polished as I remembered them being. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think it's the, it's like a, having you know developed a bit more as a writer and have let having let that manuscript sit Uh, so I've been reading it through from start to finish and making many 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 notes (laughs) 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 there might be more highlighted than there is not highlighted so it's actually been taking me quite a while (laughs) um, to get through it so that's sort of where I am I think there's I'm up to about chapter six or seven, I think. And I think there's like really strong patches, but then there's patches that I thought were fine before, but are not, (laughs) is the simple answer. (laughs) Oh dear. What about you? How's your writing been this month? Well, I have also given the ancient Greece book a break. Um, As I said, I think I just needed... I mean, in all reality, it has been easier to edit a book with a newborn than it has been to like sit down and find a chunk of time to start writing a chapter. But also that's slightly an excuse. And in reality, I kind of feel like I needed a break from it anyways. Yeah, so <laughs> so I turned to The Price of Pandemonium and which is the second book in our series, and I have been editing away at that. It required some extensive editing of like particular chapters. Other parts of it have been quite good. Um, so I finally finished editing over the last set of notes that we had because I had gone through it quite some time ago and made a bunch of notes, and Ashley had a bunch of notes as well that she kind of passed on to me. So I went through it and have made a whole lot of changes. And then now I'm just reading over it now that I've made the changes to sort of see how it's gone and making more minor notes again through this round. And then I'll fix the more minor things and hopefully send it on to Ashley after fixing the minor things that I find in this round of reading. So That's kind of where I am at the moment. Do you think it's better now that you've made some of those changes? Some parts are definitely 
hugely better. I can really see, like, for example, there was this one chapter that was probably one of the the weaker chapters. And I think Ashley will know the one that I'm talking about, which is, I think it's around chapter nine or so. Mm-hmm. And that one now is really strong. Oh, good. (laughs) I've read over it and I was like, wow, that was really exciting. (laughs) And I really liked it. There's other parts where I I feel like other people might gel with this, where you like make a change and then you read over it and you're like, oh, I can see where the change comes in because it's not like being inserted smoothly enough or it's maybe not quite the right wording so there's like a couple of things that need to be adjusted out of the changes that I did but then also like a couple of little things which I missed and I was like mm, yeah should really work over this thing a bit more or whatever so and sometimes once you make changes and look back you then notice the stuff that you're like oh that was fine and now that it's surrounded <laughs> by passages that are way better you're like oh, it's not fine anymore <laughs> yeah and I feel this kind of leads well into our discussion for today so we might as well just continue on into that (laughs) sounds good before I like start saying everything that we're going to be talking about in our discussion anyways sounds like a plan (laughs) the the first thing I thought we would talk about just because it's kind of a bit a bit fun is once you know, you've put all that work into your first draft and it is a really big milestone having finished it. And I can't wait till we get to that point with the um, ancient Greece one. I'm sure it will happen one day. Oh my gosh. Yes. (laughs) (sighs) Yes. (laughs) Anyways. um, And, you know, even when you finish the draft, it doesn't matter how bad or how good that draft is once it's turned out, it's done. And I just thought we could talk about like how we feel once we finish it in the first place. You know, like what's the feeling we get as writers when we're finally like, yes, I have put down the final word. This is excellent. Or is it sad? Probably not sad, but (laughs) could be. (laughs) What do you reckon, Sarah? Bittersweet. (laughs) Um so for me, I'm usually really excited about having finished the first draft and having written those final words. I'm like, oh my God, I've just finished it. And I'm like super excited and over Buzzing the moon. All day. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I don't always enjoy the writing of it because it doesn't come easy. And in some ways, editing feels a little bit more natural for me. I think because it's more of a technical process where, you know, we go, okay, what parts aren't making sense, which bits need polishing. So I'm not sure, like, I mean, like I still enjoy the writing of it. It's not like I don't enjoy being a writer and I want to be an editor by any means. (laughs) Um, But I do get to that point after finishing the first draft where I'm like, oh my God, I get to start editing. And I get like really excited about the process to come. And it also means that I'm one step closer to the finish line. And though I know it still requires a whole bunch of work. um, (laughs) Yes, as we're finding out. (laughs) Yeah. With that comes the anticipation of getting the book out into the world. So I think that's what kind of drives some of the excitement forward. Because I'm like, oh my God, it's it's happening. getting closer. The end's more in sight. (laughs) For me. I find that once the draft is complete, I have quite mixed emotions, usually some being like, yes, I've accomplished something, but also often I'm relieved because I sometimes find that once you hit the halfway point of the book, it can be a bit you're like, oh, wow, we've spent, which I try not to do anymore because it's a bit difficult, but you're like, I've spent this much time and it took me all this time to write the first half. We're only halfway. It's going to take me like however much longer to write the second half. And, you know, it kind of feels not that you're necessarily writing slower, but sometimes it can feel like it's taking longer in your mind. Um, It's like a mixture of accomplishment and relief for me. And I actually feel the most Mm -hmm. excited when I've got those last few chapters to go. Like, the you know when you're like four from the end or something and you kind of pick up the momentum you're like oh my god we're almost there (laughs) like we can do it and then can kind of push it to the end so that's where I feel 
once I'm nearer the end that there's it's finally coming together a little bit I only get that for the last chapter Uh, (laughs) they usually have a bit more energy (laughs) where I'll be like just this one just (laughs) this one go do it write it that's kind of how I feel about it it is always exciting though regardless because sometimes it's not us like sometimes it's not me that finishes it might be Sarah that finishes it or vice versa (laughs) so there's always the yeah the weight as well because you've written like the second to last chapter and you're like how does it end (laughs) I don't know how it ends (laughs) you're like oh my god I actually have an ending for the story now (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's always a bit of an interesting one so it's joys of being a co-writer yes sometimes it's just as much a surprise for you as it is for the reader exactly so you know we've kind of talked about once you finish writing your first draft you sometimes get you know that big surge of energy to get to the end or you have that sense of accomplishment you're like yes I finally done it and sometimes you might have the desire to just immediately start editing it um, straight away but many authors say that there is an important first step once a draft is complete and that is to let your manuscript rest I thought we could have a bit of a chat about how we feel about that step about letting your first draft rest for a while and what are the potential benefits or drawbacks if there are any um, for that process Sarah so I'm not a person who's good at letting things rest (laughs) and so (laughs) and I also don't like fully subscribe to the notion of letting a book rest immediately after the first draft I think it depends on your personal stamina as to when that period of rest becomes most effective. Like, for example, for me, I work best when I focus on one project at a time. So sometimes it's better for me to stay like quotation marks in the zone with a project rather than to put it down. And I might get through the first draft and then want to immediately start editing and I can still be quite productive I feel but there does come a point say maybe after like two rounds of editing or something where I can no longer make a head nor tail of what's wrong with a piece and I (laughs) notice that I start just like skim reading it and I'm like okay that bit's boring (laughs) and when that starts happening I'm like "Mm, you need to be going through it in more detail and if I'm not able to do that, then that's the point for me where resting the book becomes necessary. So I don't know whether some writers might gel with that kind of feeling. <laughs> I totally get that. For me, I generally try and like usually in my mind, I'm like, okay, when I get to the end of the manuscript, I get to have a bit of a rest for like a week or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's kind of like my reward. <laughs> If I get there, I don't have to think about it for however long. Mm -hmm. And, you know, sometimes a week isn't long enough to let your manuscript rest or whatever. But I think generally letting it rest at some point is really, really important. Yeah, I I encountered this recently with the Darkness Set Us Free book. And I actually talked about it in my most recent blog post as well, where like I was pretty confident that Darkness Set Us Free was like fairly polished. It only been through not that many rounds of edits to be fair I've been through a couple but yeah not nowhere near as many as the other two and we had received some beta reader comments and I hadn't I hadn't actually addressed them yet because I was like oh they're not too bad like <laughs> I guess it's gonna be fine and so I just left darkness set us free for quite a while and while we were working on the ancient Greece book and then when the ancient Greece book drove me mad finally I went back to it you know opened the book and was like oh dear (laughs) not that it's terrible it's just really clear where there's parts that don't flow as nice as I would like them to or there's bits Mm -hmm. that feel like characters yeah forced or characters motivations are too obvious you know what I mean like they're too forward about things and I was like okay like that needs to be dialed back like this character I guess stuff like that um, and then once you start seeing it, they start like piling like on top of each other. Cause then you're like, oh, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, 
he he might think that but he, he's obviously got other things going on so obviously I need to change this part but then because I've changed this part I need to change like the whole second half of this chapter because then it doesn't work and then I was like oh my gosh this is getting a lot so I've <laughs> letting it rest for a while has helped me see it a lot the um the book a lot more clearly which is good yeah. and I hadn't actually remembered that because we haven't had stuff rest for a while haven't let things rest for a while in a long time I was gonna say for a while <laughs> in a while and I was like mm, no that's wrong <laughs> I think this is the part about being a co-writer which is good is that you do have a sort of forced period of rest at least because yes. you have to allow um your partner like time to do their round of editing so like editing is going on in the background but then like you don't see it for you know <laughs> yeah. a period of time um so you know it's maybe good there's more to it you know than I give it credit for because that we do have a forced period of rest where I don't see it for some time like <laughs> I could look at Duncan's set us free but it would make no sense because that Ashley's going to change a whole bunch and it's not going to be the same yeah. book so I might as well wait until Ashley's done it and then like go through her edits and see whether I can improve anything even more, um, which is kind of the way that we work. Yeah, which I think works well. Yeah. Um, I thought I'd speak to a few of the benefits that I could think of for letting your manuscript rest. So one, I feel like when you've been through it a lot, kind of like you mentioned before, Sarah, you end up skimming stuff or you've memorized it, which is my problem. have kind of memorized what happened so you're not actually reading anything you're just like oh yes blah 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 and you kind of like just go go yeah yeah because you're like oh yeah I know this bit and then you you just start skim reading and like you're like oh yeah this happens and that happens and you don't actually read it you don't actually read it anymore (laughs) which means that one you often unknowingly skip over some parts that could use some rewriting and you don't notice because you basically haven't read it but also it's easier to miss some plot holes and mistakes as well when you're skipping through because you kind of like ah she picks up a knife and you forget that she does whatever and then you realize ah they we've dropped that weapon out or something later on just because you're so familiar with it So say, or you get really excited about like certain pieces in the book. So like you start skim reading, like to get to the exciting <laughs> parts. Cause you're like, this fits like, you know, I mean, it's needed, but it's, you know, a bit slower paced and you're like, okay, let's get to the cool part. Like I did a really good piece of writing here and you know, it's fun to read those parts, but it's not the purpose of editing. <laughs> yes. the purpose of editing is not to go to the parts that like you really enjoy that you wrote really well and read over them the purpose <laughs> is to go to those parts that you don't like and read over them and improve them so <laughs> exactly exactly you um, end up doing that then you're not alone um <laughs> I admit I have an issue with that sometimes <laughs> I know that feeling I know that fe- I'm actually looking forward to editing darkness it is three there's a few parts I'm looking forward to reading again but I'm mm-hmm. making sure I go slow through the other stuff before I get there because I'm tempted I'm like I could just skip ahead to like this chapter just because I feel like reading it I was like no Ashley yeah. stay the course <laughs> hold fire oh dear uh the other part I was going to mention is as writers especially when um you're working on other projects like especially with Sarah and I when one of us is editing the other one's usually doing something else often writing maybe it's our ancient Greece book maybe it's another book but in that process you're always growing a little bit as a writer even if you might not realize that you're improving so once you get back to the manuscript again after your period of rest often you're better at finding parts that need to be reworked just because you've matured that little bit much, uh, a little bit more as a writer, Mm -hmm. which I think is always really helpful. Yeah. I guess one drawback would possibly be losing momentum. Yeah. That's the the thing that I find biggest is that like, I'm great when I'm like in a project and then like when I sort of, lose the momentum and stuff then it takes me a long time to get it back sometimes so that's why I you know I keep going until I'm like okay now I find this boring now I need to stop 
and yeah. let it rest. <laughs> so, you know, it's, I think we've had a good discussion about letting the manuscript rest and, you know, some good things and some potential bad things that can go along with that. Mm-hmm. So whether or not your next step is letting your manuscript rest, regardless, at some point, you're about to start doing your first round of edits. So I thought we could talk through the steps that we each take when we're going to tackle the first draft and begin our editing process. So kind of basically outlining what our editing process is for those first, probably like the first two rounds, because I feel like they're all kind of linked together, right? Yeah, they are very similar. So for me, like I know Ashley's process is less digital. Uh, Mine, I don't have anywhere I can print such a large document for cheap because we run straight through our printer ink. Um, (laughs) So I format the draft in Scrivener, um, which is what we use to create our interiors. And this also helps save time down the road because then it's kind of like a draft version of what I'll end up making into the final interior. But then, so I make up like a mock-up ebook, which I then share to my computer and my phone. And on the ebook, I can then read through it. And I read through it usually in Apple iBooks and I highlight parts and I take notes on Apple iBooks. Uh, sorry. So I also find that having it formatted this way in a professional layout, to me, it makes it more obvious which bits seem to be lacking and letting the the rest of the book down because, you know, you see it and you're like, oh, it looks really professional. And then you come across these parts that aren't so professional. You're like, (laughs) that looks a bit dodge. (laughs) (laughs) And it's also more clear, like, in finer detail, like if, you know you need a paragraph break somewhere or like because you can see you know you're like oh this paragraph like runs a long way like it keeps going forever and ever (laughs) you're like I think we need to have a break like right about here um so I find that really helpful to work out exactly where we need to put those paragraph breaks and things like that in But yeah, so once I've taken all my notes, I then start to edit and I do the editing process in Word. I don't do it in Scrivener um, because that would be really hard to share it with Ashley, to be honest. (laughs) And I I know a lot of people like to write in Scrivener if they have it, but I'm not one of those people. I transfer it and I'll do my formatting in Scrivener, but writing, I just like Word for that. But yeah, so I begin with the really glaring potholes, which saves wasting time doing kind of minor edits and then having to delete something you've already edited. So that's kind of why I start with the big macro stuff and then I work into the finer points and I move on to the smaller things like filling out a scene with details or perfecting a tricky patch of dialogue until it's just right. I did used to focus on like one element at a time and in each round of edits like description character dialogue but I now tend to take a more chapter by chapter approach um I think just the way that I make the notes makes it more sense to go chapter by chapter now right um but yeah so I once I finish with the first round of edits and I finish correcting the notes that I made I then read over it again again taking more notes and this process continues with me getting pickier and pickier about word choice and the changes becoming smaller with every pass over the manuscript until I finally feel there's nothing or at least very little that I would want changed and then I hand it across to Ashley. So for me like Sarah hinted at I like to print out the first draft if I can and then I read it through from start to finish and I take quite a uh it's not old school, more traditional approach. I have my trusty highlighters and post-it notes. And then I just go through and make notes on the biggest issues I spot and then tag the tag the manuscript with the post-it notes as I go along. I also tend to highlight any super obvious spelling mistakes as, that I go through, but I'm generally looking for those passages that feel really weak or cheesy, or really unclear. That's hilarious. <laughs> that I'm like, oh, these definitely need to change. 
<laughs> you know what I mean by the cheesy passages. <laughs> I know. You're like, oh gosh, why is this in there? You don't realize you're cheesy at the time. And then you're like, oh dear. <laughs> I just reworked several of those in the price pen moaning. I was like, oh, come on. That's just taking it a little bit too far. <laughs> Like, could you be more like, here's a moral lesson, guys? <laughs> You're like, yeah, I don't think the readers really want it like spoon fed to them quite like that. Yeah. Yeah. What I learned today. <laughs> no. And it makes your characters come across uh, kind of like cutouts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Quite amusing. I, I, was, I came across a couple of those. Um, already <laughs> you're like oh my gosh why have I written this this is so embarrassing so apart from those passages that are cheesy and you have issues with I'm also always on the lookout especially in these first edits for uh, character inconsistencies or motives that aren't strong enough or don't fit the character because sometimes on that first read through you're suddenly like oh this makes no sense at why this has happened like this needs to be changed or whatever and then after I've read through it and highlighted all the major bits that need fixing, I then start to go through the actual edits. I usually begin with the really big issues I've, that I've identified. So generally the massive passages that need rewriting or the entire chapters that need rewriting or kind of reshuffling. And I guess we should probably point out that when we do come across the real, some of those really big changes, we do... Uh, these are usually plot or character related. We do usually run them past each other just to make sure that we're both happy. Well, we both agree that there's a problem and we're both happy with some sort of solution to rectify it. So that's kind of my first process, our first edit or a couple rounds of edits is going through and doing that. So obviously after you've gone through that first round or two of edits, there's many many edits that follow I don't even know how many rounds I don't even know if I could count how many rounds when the way when the rainfalls went through <laughs> many many <laughs> like I, I wouldn't even I don't even think I could hazard a guess but there are many edits and I thought the next part we could talk about so once, you know, a lot of the really big stuff's been dealt with, what are some of the key aspects we focus on after that? So, um, you know, my process is really described above, but, you know, I just go over and over until I think it's no longer necessary. Additionally, though, on subsequent, subsequent rounds, I'm also reading the edits that I made, kind of like we were talking about earlier in the podcast and making sure that one, they flow with the rest of the text. And two, that there have been no inconsistencies created by changing an earlier element because totally. that can happen quite a lot. And e really easily as well. Yes. It's amazing how you can accidentally add one little thing and then suddenly 10 chapters later, you're like, oh no. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm always looking for passages that feel off. So sometimes I unwittingly, as we've discussed, gloss over something I no needs editing in the first round like I'm not really sure whether this is because it seems too hard or whether I'm just feeling lazy but I'll often find it's not till later edits where I knuckle down and I'm like okay Sarah this passage has bugged you since day one so um you really need to do something about it now <laughs> I don't know why that happens like I'm always just like I have the same thing you know and you go back over it in those last rounds and you're like why have I left this so long? Because I know that this isn't strong writing. I don't understand why I've just like let it slide <laughs> these four rounds of edits. And then on the fifth one, I'm like, okay, now it needs to be fixed. I sometimes wonder if it's because it's not as bad as the other bad stuff. <laughs> yeah, maybe. So you're like, oh, it's fine. <laughs> exactly. Fine. It can, it can stay. And then suddenly when everything around it is a bit more up to scratch, it's really, really obvious. And you're like, oh, I should probably tackle that unfortunate piece now. Um, for me, when I'm thinking about some of the other aspects after the really massive ones that we address, I'm always trying to think of my characters when we're going through, like do the actions 
of the characters all make sense? Do they fit with their character motives? Like, for example, you know, if I'm reading a particular section and like, would Levi really do that in that situation? Is that in character for him? Does that seem genuine? Well, would Lizzie say that? Um, Does that make sense with her character and the situation? Would she really be angry in that situation or would she be, usually Lizzie would be angry. So that's probably fine. I then also try and assess the book for how realistic it feels as well. So, you know, in whatever the situation is, would it really make sense for X and Y to happen? Um, If not, do we need to do more setup or do we need to tweak the cascade of events to make sure it all makes sense? Or maybe we need to change things altogether. Uh, Sarah mentioned about looking for passages that feel off and we've kind of already touched on that. But one of the things I think that can make uh, passages feel off is whether the dialogue's actually realistic because sometimes it can be that the dialogue's just a bit cheesy (laughs) or it's just a bit cringy and that's what's made the paragraph really stand out on occasion anyways so that's kind of why what I think about um when I'm doing those subsequent edits um I thought we could move on to you know once you've got your book semi-polished and you're kind of happy with it now Um, whether we have a personal like self-editing checklist that we go through or a list of things that once the manuscripts you know more in its complete stages that we you know we might comb through our novel looking for these mistakes or whatnot so for me not for structural edits but yes for proofing Um, So I delete a lot of superfluous words, especially adverbs. And because we like to Americanize our spelling, I'm always keeping an eye out for the odd British words that snuck its way in. Um, Though I do allow for a little local slang, depending on the book setting. So, you know, our New Zealand books, it will have like words like togs, which is swimsuits for (laughs) those who don't no (laughs) just like random little things like that which I kind of leave in there because I think it kind of adds to the setting I know it may like I try to leave them in with context though so that people who might not know what something means can kind of like grasp it but yeah so I do word searches for the British words and replace them with their American counterparts so that it's all consistent sometimes if there's a recurring typo I put in my notes, looking at you, solider instead of soldier. I will word search a typo to make sure all instances have been fixed. And I'm also an Oxford comma fan. So I add in Oxford commas, especially when there's a group of names like Grace, Levi and Dylan. Like I don't want it to seem like Levi and Dylan have their own little thing going on. Um, So an Oxford comma you know Grace comma Levi comma and Dylan helps to clarify that definitely and then usually I make a list of like our common mistakes and then I'll go through it like one by one and that's generally my last and final thing before sending the book to Ashley um, or to be professionally edited if it's at that point how about you Ashley um so one of the things that I really search for and it actually happened from Uh, came to my attention from my husband when he's been reading our books is I'm always on the lookout for words that can be contracted especially in dialogue Mm -hmm. because sometimes we get into the habit of not using contractions so there's always a whole bunch of I cannot believe it (laughs) (laughs) I do not want to go with you so a lot of you know contracting those words um, because James always said that it takes him out of the yeah book sometimes he's like teenagers would not say it like that I'm like no you're right yeah so I always have my eyes out for those and then I do have a whole bunch of words that I go through and delete so the first one is usually that (laughs) and the the find function in word is a great tool for finding all of those words there's usually a few hundred extra that's that you can delete um then I go for my crutch words so just well sighed and then the actions cried and crying (laughs) tears um so yeah and tears so those are sort of the next words that I go through uh I 
I think I'm out of the well habit because I used to use well a lot, but I always check because there's usually like 60 or 70 of them. <laughs> Mine is even. Deleted. I've noticed even. that there's a lot of evens in there. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I even found that like da 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 oh, or yes. even, even, even. And I'd be like, well, why do you need even there? Like, it's just too much. <laughs> like it's not necessary. Sometimes um, it's necessary, but most times no. You're like most times it doesn't add anything. I then tend to search for the over description of eyes. <laughs> Sounds really dumb, but I always search eyes and then tone back some of the descriptions sometimes. Especially when, you know, we describe Grace's teary eyes like 15 times in one chapter. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna just yeah. tone this back a bit. Totally or... understand that. <laughs> sometimes it'll be like you know, you notice that there's two ways to describe the same thing and you're like, it's unnecessary to have like both adjectives here. Just delete one, choose one, go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and then one of the final things I start to look out for, I guess is what I call like the hedging words. So like the sort I of, totally the half, slightly, the partlies, the slightlies. The little bit. Slightly is annoying me. <laughs> slightly, his hands were slightly shaking. Yeah. Something like that. And you're like, just have his hands shake. They don't need yeah. to slightly shake. Yep. I like your, your terminology for it, like hedging words. So that's yeah. <laughs> you're like, I feel like he should maybe be angry, but like, I don't know if he should be like fully angry. So I'm just going to be like, he was slightly, a little bit angry. <laughs> slightly annoyed. <laughs> A little. Like it. <laughs> so yeah, that's one of the ones I go through and mm-hmm. hunt for as well. It's probably my the big li- the you know um, overarching list. There's lots of other little things, but those yeah, like, are the ones that I think other people could probably benefit from as well. Yeah, I find like grammar, like um, I don't know, Dylan and I versus Dylan and me, or me and Dylan, as it's more commonly found, but you know like where to use that versus that because I found that often we use we were using it wrong and so then I'd like search every name and stuff and then like <laughs> make sure that it's make, right yeah exactly just little grammar things but yeah there's a bunch of a bunch of stuff that you can like use the, the search function for to like tidy up your your document a bit if there's things that you know that you do commonly Yes, yes. I thought we could move on to talking a little bit about beta readers because obviously we use beta readers and I thought we could talk about what about what stage we think is the best stage to send your manuscript off to your beta readers and kind of on a similar tangent when is the best time do you think to get feedback generally on your work when you're writing it's kind of two-part question. So I think it depends if you have someone who's happy to read it several times over or like, you know, some people who are like great for advice on it, then there's no harm in sending your unpolished draft as long as, you know, like you'll get a ton of feedback on things that you need to change. But if you don't have a person to do that and you're just sending to beta readers like once, Um, then I think getting the draft polished until it's at a point where you think you've fixed all the major parts before giving it to the beta readers is good. Like if the spelling and grammar still isn't the best, it's fine, but you want them to have an accurate representation of what the book's going to be like. Otherwise, they'll just pick up on things that you already know needs to be fixed, which isn't super helpful. Um, It's better if you think that you've got it to a really polished product and then let them tear down your fantasy of that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit painful, but it helps to show, you know, those pieces that aren't as strong as what you initially thought. I definitely agree. I think for beta readers, it's definitely best to send it away once I've written, I've written in my notes, once you're quote fairly happy with the story I feel like it's a kind of vague description but it's different for each novel that you write I think everyone gets to a point in their 
in the editing process where they're like hey I think this is as good as I can get it for now I can't see any obvious plot issues my characters seem to be coherent I've run a spell check on this it looks to be in pretty decent shape and there's not much more I can do with this with this manuscript without driving myself mad and I think that's the point where it's good to send it to your beta readers Um, and as Sarah said they will find big issues with it and tear it down. So it's all good. You're going to have a lot more work to do anyways. Yeah. And I think just, you know, accepting that is a big part of the editing process. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. From a more general feedback perspective, I am of the view that the earlier you can get feedback on any of your writing, the better. I haven't gone through this process with my with our secret writing group I have found it really helpful they've been reading the first draft as our novel uh, of our novel as we've been writing it and I found that it's been really helpful for being able to correct issues before they become too prevalent in your novel and then become a more persistent problem (laughs) so they pick up on your bad writing habits quite early before they're spread throughout your entire manuscript And I've also found one of the more helpful things is that they tend to ask a lot more questions relating to how they see the plot developing or how they see characters developing um, and things like that. And occasionally they've brought things to my to my attention that we'd overlooked or we'd missed. So it's a good chance to address some of these problems earlier on uh, before you have your giant manuscript in front of you. And changing, you know, one thing ends up making a, I guess, making it a much more challenging task. So that's kind of how I feel about feedback. Moving on from the discussion about when to give beta readers your manuscript, I thought we could talk a little bit about what we do once we get the manuscripts back from the beta readers when it's covered and all of those wonderful, hopefully frank comments about your book. (laughs) Um, how do we filter what to take on board and how do we decide what we ignore so I always listen to the feedback because the advice is pretty valuable and sometimes even if I don't want to change something they might highlight a part that needs more clarity because there's usually a reason that they're confused about something but where I tend to well not ignore it like that's kind of the wrong word Um, but where I tend to not necessarily make use of it is when they're having the reaction to the piece that I wanted from the start Um, so like if I wanted them to dislike a character and they really don't like that character and they're like you know this character I don't like them very much Um, uh, you could maybe think about doing this 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 for the character and I'm like nope that's brilliant Um, I've done my job you're not supposed to like that character because of X, Y, Z. I don't tell them that, but I just don't, you know, action their advice. And, you know, where you have to be careful is remembering that the beta readers might not have all the information, especially if it's a series. Um, So they can't always see where the plot's headed. Um, If you're setting things up for farther down the road, uh, you might not want to change a specific thing based on their recommendations. Other times they can completely hit the nail on the head. You know, like Ashley said, she's editing Darkness Set Us Free, our most um, recent teen book that we've written. And our beta reader commented that they'd like to see more action in a specific setting. And when we looked into it, we decided that, yes, we had rushed that part and it could be drawn out for better effect So we ended up adding a new character who I think will round out the book and take it the next book in the series to a new height. I agree. I think that change has done more than I initially thought it would as well. Like one, it helps draw out the parts that the beta reader commented that it felt a bit rushed, but it also helps give the perception that there's a bit more time between other events passing as well, which also addresses a different beta reader comment where they were like, oh, it feels like, you know, these two events happen too close in succession. And I was like, well, now there's going to be whole new chapters in between. So I think that will at least give the illusion of more time, which so sort of helps fix two problems at once, which is good. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'm like Sarah, I tend to consider basically all feedback and I usually take most of it on board to at least some extent or at, at least consider what they've said because obviously if they've said something, they've said it for a reason and it's really important to at least think about why they've said it. Sometimes their comments might have really have larger consequences for future story arcs and we may or may not take those on board but sometimes it's often good just to discuss them because it could lead you to change something else to kind of make it work better like you might they might suggest something and you're like oh no I can't do that because it's going to mess with the stuff I've set up but I could change this little bit which might help it become more clearer for them Mm -hmm. that's often I think what happens when they've raised a point <laughs> and we're like, no, we're not going to do that, but we can do this, which will help, you know, fix that problem. So yeah, I, it's sometimes quite fun when, once you get the comments back and they're not, usually they don't hate your book. So that's like a relief. And then it's quite enjoyable sometimes trying to come up with creative ways to fix some of the <laughs> particularly tricky things that they've pointed out. Yeah find that kind of enjoyable you're a bit of a brainstorm you're like okay this is definitely a problem how can we fix this <laughs> without having to rewrite entire passages definitely um as a final point I thought we could have a quick talk about how important we think it is to have a professional editor look over your manuscript because yeah I think you know uh especially when you're self-publishing you can be in you know different Um, have different abilities to be able to either afford an editor or you know you might just not want to go through that or maybe you do everyone's sort of in a different position so I thought we could talk about what we think I think it's really important to at least have some copy editing and proofing done um, even if you don't go the full way and have structural editing suggestions made Uh, so you know we're really lucky that Ashley's sister is a professional editor but if not we probably still be paying money for it to be done yes it's a pain and it costs and I understand that some people might not be able to afford it but I do think that the bottom line is if you want your book to be a professional product it's got to be professionally edited because there are going to be issues that you can't see no matter how good at editing you think you are Um, or whether you have the technology like Grammarly there's things that Grammarly does not pick up and also misleads yes exactly sometimes it can send you in like up the wrong tree (laughs) (laughs) yes so um, it's just being aware of that kind of thing and knowing that it's not going to be a solution for everything in your book I agree I think having like if you can having a professional editor look over your manuscript is crucial and if you can't afford to have a professional editor look over it at least have someone in mind who I find like if they're not familiar with your book it's probably better like they haven't read it before because they're more likely to pick up on mistakes um when uh, when we sent our manuscript when the rain falls off to my sister to edit um like I thought it was pretty polished i I you know, I was hopeful she'd pick up mistakes, but I wasn't sure how many mistakes she'd pick up. And I think she found about 500 or so. So that just shows like, even when you think your manuscript is, you know, in a pretty decent state, there's always the chance that there's a lot of undiscovered errors in there. Not all of them were necessarily spelling and grammar mistakes, although a bunch of them were. She did pick up a lot of bad habits that we hadn't picked up on ourselves. She picked up on a bunch of crutch words that we use too, especially in dialogue, which we hadn't noticed either. Uh, And she also picked up on a few passages um, that were inconsistent and had parts that were unclear to her and were confusing. So all of those things kind of made up the approximately 500 issues that she raised. And I think all of them were valid. There might've only been four or five mistakes that I well not mistakes comments that I didn't take on board from that process so yes I think it's definitely important to at least have someone look over your book because a fresh set of eyes you'll be amazed what they can pick up that you've missed 
And with that, I think it brings us to the end of our discussion about what you do after your first draft. And I think we can probably move on to mistakes of the month, if anyone has any. Sarah? Yeah, so I had um, just one which I thought was kind of funny and I pointed it out to Ashley. It's not exactly a mistake, but definitely something that needs to change. So the sentence was, Grace's arm, on the other hand, was a problem. (laughs) Spot the problem there. (laughs) It was a bit of a punny um, sentence. (laughs) Grace's arm, on the other hand. (laughs) So it's like a pun, but also one of those ones when you actually visualize it, you're like, "Mm, that makes zero sense. I pointed it out to my husband and he was just like... He reversed it. He was like, on the other hand, Grace's arm was a problem. (laughs) And that just, I don't know why, but that makes it even funnier. (laughs) Um, I only had one mistake as well. And so it came from when I had decided that I would just edit Darkness Set Us Free before I decided to read through it from the start and like one whole go. So it was a sentence I ended up putting in and then found this mistake once I started from the beginning again. So the sentences were, that was the only way we would get out of this place. Goddamn lick instead of luck. Curious. <laughs> so my editing of my changes in like chapter one picked up that new mistake. So that was great. So that brings us to the end of this episode of Dear Writer. Uh, If you are interested in being on our author spotlight section, we still have some spots available. You can head on over to our website, lindesoncreations.com and hover your mouse over the podcast tab and you should get a drop down menu, which will direct you to um, a form to fill out to be on our author spotlight section. And next week on Dear Writer, it's going to be one of our culture and creativity episodes where we're going to talk about how to say no, which should be interesting. Um, I struggle with saying no, generally speaking, in work and in writing, and I've had a lot of practice at it recently, so that should be quite good. Um, if you'd like to know any more about us or any of our writing projects, you can visit us at lindesoncreations.com or you can get in contact with us on Facebook or Instagram under the handle Lindison Creations. And if you enjoy the show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on your podcatcher of choice. Tell all your friends about us and we'll be back next week. Happy writing, everyone.